Hello, it's Wednesday, and well, September 4th, Fantastic Comic 2022, a short-form comic episode podcast, my goal is to help you find that next Fantastic Once again, Ross discovered my old guest. I cover comics with Golden Age now, and he's a in Kickstarter campaign. You never know what I might cover, but you will know what I find fantastic comics I read in a co-host episode. I'm pretty sure Ross would be that guy. Last week, we talked about Jim Shooter on this show. Over on his podcast, Stop, Let's Team Up, we did Len Wein. Both were huge, influential icons who left a lasting impression on the industry. Look at the show notes for his podcast and also the shooter episode. Like my podcast, it's usually a short form and makes for perfect bite-sized episodes. Now, for this episode, we're covering a comic book. Actually, a two-parter. Justice League of America, 140 and 141, from 1977. I'm not going to say much more than that, but it would take away from our discussion of these Bronze Age gems. I hope you like this episode. I'm fast approaching my first year anniversary. That's at the end of this month. So if you like this episode and this podcast, please spread the word. Recommend it to other comic fans. With this episode, there's a link tree. To in the show notes, that allows you easy access to where you can listen to the podcast and follow us on the social media. So please, do follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Now on to this episode. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the Fantastic Comic Fan Podcast. I have a regular guest returning, Ross Aitken, who does the Stop, Let's Team Up podcast. You can find that podcast in the show notes. I highly recommend it. This time around, we are going to specifically talk about a two-issue part of Justice League of America that Steve Englehart first wrote back in the Bronze Age. Specifically, it's Justice League of America 140 and 141, which is a two-part Manhunter storyline. So originally, Ross, we were going to do this on your podcast. And first time around, I screwed up and didn't hit the record button. (laughs) And now this is on my podcast. Why did you initially want to choose this particular episode of Engelhart's Run? Well, it's one, it's Engelhart. He had just left DC and he is my first, the first Avenger comic I read was one of his. He is my, and he wrote, uh, he's, he's one of my favorite comic writers. I don't think I've ever read anything he didn't do that was well above, above anybody else at the time. His Avengers run so is really important. His Batman was this any of the stuff he did with Marshall Rogers, Silver when, Surfer, Doctor Strange, yes. Batman. They're all like some of the but his Silver Surfer run in the night is it the late eighties? It's late eighties. Late eighties. Yes, it's, it's uh, the only time I read Silver Surfer. No, I was going to say like, this is this is when he went to DC. Got I, I don't know why he I forget you know you hear the things that he just he moved on he left. Did it, did it finish his Avengers and Defenders run? Now, his Defenders are it's stunning. It's funny you mentioned that because I actually went to the back issue, which is another great magazine. Back issue 45 actually covers. His, I have that one, yeah. It <laughs> covers his Justice League run. And he specifically said the reason why he left Marvel is because Gary Conway was editor-in-chief and wanted to write the Defenders and Avengers, took the books from him and wrote it, took Steve Englehart off, so he left. The interesting thing I, I found about that is that Conway left the editorship a couple of months later. It was just kind of interesting 
you know, had Conway Conway. wrote the defenders for like four issues and they're not great. It makes you wonder if Conway hadn't like had left a few months earlier, we would have never gotten Steve Englehart as Justice League or the Batman with Marshall Rogers. And we wouldn't have gotten Steve Gerber for the defenders, which would be another great run, which you've been. Yeah. Which is, I mean, as much as I like Englehart's run on it, it's not his best work and it's not the best defenders. No, I mean, because I mean, Steve, just, Gerber, I really think Gerber and Crafts, eh, I don't know. They're three good. Cherry Conway is just, he just does a couple giant sizes. I mean, just pretty standard Marvel 70 superhero. There's and nothing he, special about it. So Englehart got mad, and we know he went to DC Comics specifically to revitalize the Justice League of America. To me, DC and Marvel back in the late 70s when this was going on, they're putting out a lot of stagnant comics. They just were kind of boring, not much going on. They were all, a lot of them were a lot of ruts of comic books. And he came on and he was only going to be there for a year. And literally they left for a year, went to Europe and wrote novels. And this is where DC created what became their giant format, specifically for Justice League, because he said, I want to write long Justice League stories and I can't do it with a single format. So they did this new giant size, which if I was a kid, when, which I was, comic books back then were 17 pages. Now you got this 30, 35 page plus storyline. And for a 10 year old, 11 year old kid, wow, that's like a huge. Yeah, I remember. What, when did it come out? What year is it? I believe it was 77-ish. So I was 13. I was in eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade. Super and I remember grade. that because they yes. were beauties. And I was have a small collection of spectacular 100 page giants. I remember which those. was like a generate, which was like a decade earlier where they did those. And those are great. Those were fantastic comics. Yes, uh, And they did it with, and I think one reason they did this with Englard is like, you know, you did it with the hundred page giants and they sold like gangbusters. Yes, they did. I and mean, it was like six, I mean, it was three or four titles more than that. And they, you know, there's like seven or eight in a row with justice league. There's five or six in a row for Superboy and Legion. I remember reading Legion of Superheroes, the giant size, and then they had some one-offs and whatever. During this time was Dick Dillon, who'd been drawing the Justice League for years. He started back in 1968 with number 64. He'd go all the way through 1980 when he died of a heart attack in the middle of 183, which George Perez picked up after that. And he yeah, they said, what, the first three or four pages are Dylan and the rest is Perez. And I remember Perez talking about, hey, I've got big shoes to fill. This is Dick Dylan. It's my dream book. And I, you know, I'm I, I'm replacing Dick Dylan. And I remember reading Dick Dylan was like, oh, so what? We got giant size just means I get more money out of the whole you know, no, whole because thing. I as a kid, because I like the flash, I'm of that age where Prez came in in the flat. He was like, oh, he's flashier. I like Dylan. Now that I go back and I read a Dick Dylan comic book, I'm like, I was that snotty little bastard because it's really freaking good, especially those t- the like uh, the, the those around the 100 page giants and stuff, because I think the writing of, you know, I'm not I don't think Denny O'Neill's of Justice League is very good. I don't think it's no. terrible. I just think it's I have to fill this. I got to do a bunch of single issues and then a two-part JLA, JSA team up, blah, blah, blah. But Wayne's, Len Wayne's run, run of what, 14 issues? Yes. It's, yes. It's 14 issues. And I still think it's one of the best runs ever. He, uh, yeah. He did the, uh, the first 
three-part JLA-JSA crossover. I forgot he did three of those damn things. Yeah, he did. He brought the uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory, and his template pretty much went through the rest of the Bronze Age of his, this is how we're going to do a JLA-JSA team-up. But Dick Dillon, when he started doing these giant-sized uh, Justice League of Americas, and we talked about this before, Dillon really shined. His Some of his best work are in, I these, think you're right. yeah. in these giants. I mean, he had... Great fun. He was energized. He loved the stories. He loved what was going on. These giant stuff is just a great run of the Justice League. I forgot how good the story was. I remember, I used to reread, like, do when when runs weren't that big. You know, oh, I'm going to read. I've got 100 issues of Justice League. Now, if you wanted to do a reread of the entire run, it would be, you know, six or 700, maybe a 1,000 times. Yes, yes. But I remember rereading these, and I remember reading these over and over and over again. Because, I mean, it was Great, you got so much story for your buck. And, yep. and Englehart writes a pretty dense comic book. These are very dense, yes. And he wrote it for about like a year. And outside of our, our topic, I mean, he brought back the Red Tornado. He did, to me, the best Bronze Age Justice League story when he did the origin story, which was a flashback to the Silver Age. And he brought all these Silver Age characters on. He in brought 144, in the, yeah. Yes, that's my favorite Justice League of all. He brought back the Phantom Stranger. And Janet Kahn, like we were talking about, brought him in to regenerate, revitalize the whole Justice League franchise without making it seem like it's Avengers in disguise. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't change he, the structure. No, he doesn't no. change the structure at all. He understands that one issue, you're going to have these five characters. Next story, you're going to have these. And what I like in this one is he's got all the big guns. He's yes. got the big six yes. of that era, the 70s, which is Superman, Batman, Black Canary, Green Arrow, Flash, and Green Lantern. That's the big six. The, the issue after this, it's just Aquaman, Elongated Man, and the Atom. And they're telling that story in a very Marvel kind of way. This is yes. what's happening between these two issues. I'm not, and it's not. Not continuity for continuity's sake. He's like going, fans do care. Well, how does this all work? And I'm going to show you how it all works. That the Justice League is, unlike the Avengers, where it's one team that goes out one emergency. In this yes. thing, that's the Marvel style. And the DC style is it's a bigger team. And different teams do different missions. You know, back then, the Justice League, 140 issues. It was been around for maybe a little over 10, 12 years, whatever. Unlike now, we got decades of continuity. There wasn't a whole lot of continuity in the Justice League at the time. But the stuff that Engelhart wrote, especially in this Manhunters, that mythology and mythos still carries on to today's DC comics. The privateer who becomes uh, Shaw, who becomes Leviathan guy. The Manhunters with Engelhart revisits again in Millennium 10 years later. So all this mythology with the Manhunters and the Guardians of the Galaxy, people picked up that storyline and continued that mythos all the way straight straight through. And at the time, it was just a two-part story. There was no big deal behind it. And it just showed you the testament of, of how much richness that Engelhart put into the stuff that it came back out. In the 90s with that Manhunter, that legacy yes. Manhunter series, which is a great comic. Yep, exactly. But, you know, you had these Manhunters come back. I mean, Morrison riffs on them. Warren, I think Warren Ellis did some stuff with them. Yes. He did a lot of it, wasn't it? Yes. And then the, the Leviathan and all that stuff that Bendis did stemmed directly from this run of Justice League with Engelhart. 
I haven't read it yet. I've got that all set aside to read in one big batch. Because I like Lethva. I like it. It uses stuff I like. It looks checkmate and that manhunter. The artist is what that canon is in it. Drop off. Yes. So, you know, it's right up my alley, but I have to get muscle through some other. Bendis is a hit or miss for me. Yeah. I thought that the Leviathan and checkmate thing that he did with all that was one of the better runs that he did at DC. I really, I think that's, I'm looking forward to it. I hear good things about it. I think I liked his recent young justice, at least the first two thirds of it, the last storyline, it kind of peter out. And I'm, you know, I'm reading the JLA Legion, but I'm going to wait and read it as one big thing to see if it actually works because it doesn't work as single issues because he can't write a single issue. No, he cannot. So what else did you like about this particular two issue run of justice league? I like all the, that it had and a lot of justice because before this on and off, you were just getting a one and done story. That didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. And I'll reset at the end. And they all, you know, did the happy ending. What I liked about this one was there was some stuff going on. They were allowed to do some characterization because I don't think Green Lantern and Green Arrow had their own book. I can't it, remember. It, or it, it wasn't selling well. And no it was not. The, and no. no one came. I think the only part ran into that is was the Grell run. Yeah. That little short one at the end. But you got, he got to do some stuff like with them. like. What's going on? And and he got to build mythos. It wasn't just the team gets together and then splits up to fight the same kind of task in different locations. Cause that right. was a very, so that was the trope then, but you had green lantern, green arrow, black canary, that trio of friends having one adventure flash and wonder woman having another adventure and Superman, Batman having another adventure, but it's all tied up. And then you get all this mythos added. Like Wonder Woman's just back. That was the only thing I was going to say. That's one of the, the through lines that she has an attitude because she doesn't know if she's going to measure up to the other Justice League. And I forget there's an issue or two later where she slaps the heck out of Superman. That's the cover of her slapping the heck out of Superman. And that plays into that. And Barry Allen at the time had a very chauvinistic attitude at times. We'd get into it with Wonder Woman at different times. I liked what they did with the Dinah and Green Arrow, Dinah and mm-hmm. Oliver. You know, that a lot of this, to me, a lot of the seeds of their later romance and actually getting married were actually planted in the Englehart run and just carried through on, you know, to later writers. Yeah, I think, I think Denny started the romance. Yes, but Englehart really kind of like drilled down into it. He in, did. In and opinion. I have no offense to Denny's not Justice League. It was, you know, Den, Denny wrote a good comic book. But yes, it wasn't as it, and it was just so different because you went the format changed so drastically from what is his for oh his first one is 139. No, I thought Danny O'Neill wrote it back way, way back before even no no Ang- no Englehart. Yeah, no, Marty Pascal was he wrote it for it it was it was jumping around. It was Marty Pascal, G Jerry Conway would flip it would flip between them. Good God, for and Carrie Bates. It didn't really, Elliot S. Magnet, it had a bunch of different writers. After Len, Len did a year and two months, and then it jumped around. Yep. And the Elliot S. Magnet stuff is some really painful crap to read. You know, <laughs> you're talking about the Daniel O'Neill, that was like the early 70s, and DC was putting out some really weird kind of socially relevant comic books that, mm-hmm. you know, to me, comic books are going to escape. I don't need to be preached about whatever social things that are going on in the world. That, to me, seemed what a lot of the DC comics did at that beginning of the Bronze Age. Marvel did the same thing, but they did it inside soap opera. Right. You know, they masked it as soap opera. 
because I mean, Stan was way more preachy than Denny. I think this is also the beginning of they start to age the comics because they're re- they they assume their readership is their age. Yes, which is a problem they have nowadays because there are people our our age who goes the comics should be like what I want because that's I'm their audience. It's what the com- some comicators it should always reflect what I want. Yes, no. It doesn't have to reflect, but you want your 40 years old, <laughs> you know, you're yes. too old. this is a kid's medium and it should, there should be some for kids. There should be some for adults. There's, you know, it should be a wide variety and you should, should play to your audience, but the audience for justice league was changed. Comics was changing and Anglehart knew what it was. Yeah. And, yeah. So- and so did Denny. And I don't think Elliot Magnet and Nelson T. E. Birdwell did, but they also maintained, I mean, and Carrie Bates, I'm not the biggest Carrie Bates fan. It's okay. But they knew how to play to both. That yeah. was kind of what Bert, which makes them, well, Carrie so good and what makes E. Nelson Birdwell do it because you can read there's, oh, this is just a fun kid's comic. The 70s to me is one of the most innovative eras than any of the other eras. I Just in types of format, what you could do and all the amount of changes from like the 1970 all the way through 1980, there's a huge amount of changes in the comic book industry. And we had the miniseries, we had the comic codes getting loosening up, Inglehart coming over and making changes into Justice League. And DC, and a lot of, I guess you could say a lot of what DC did in the early 70s was a failure because they wouldn't have had to bring Inglehart over to DC and promise him the moon if their way was succeeding and doing well. I don't think they were consistent. I think DC at that time had it was... I don't until until Jeanette Kahn got in and ultimately they got rid of Carmine. Exactly. Yes. You know, it was it was Jeanette Kahn and Paul Levitz is what kind of stabilized it. I think what they were doing is the precursor to what we see. People go, oh, the mid early mid 80s crisis, 83, which is one of the big years in comic history. But you don't have that without what uh, Englehart did, what Len did with like Swamp Thing with. Denny did with Batman and Green Arrow. Even Eaglehart's Batman run was iconic, and he I think it's that. in some ways I think it's better than Denny's. Yeah, I think it's pretty. I mean, and I like the Aladdin's, but I'm sorry, I really Marshall Rogers got it. Yeah. And they only again, he only did the Eaglehart only did that for about a year, and that still holds up decades later. It's still remembered as one of the best runs. Oh, it is. I think it's the best Joker story ever. And you see how much of an influence. I think you, if you read a Grant Morrison, he's a fan of it. This is his, you know, it's not history. He's about my age. It's about maybe a little younger. But this is his sweet spot. And you see this, some of the story structure and some of the type of stories are from this era. It's really Denny and Steve Englehart and, and not as much, say, Roy. It, it's really more th- those guys. Because, I mean, if you read Morrison, if you read All-Star Superman, it's very much a love letter to the Silver Age. But it's also Bronze Agey in a lot of ways, in the yeah. way of the, with dialogue. And I think when Grant Morrison does dialogue and when he does, he's a, his Justice League is more like Steve Englart's than it is Garden right. Fox. Before we wrap this up, you get the last word. Anything you want to say? No, just if folks, if you haven't read Steve Englart's Justice League, go read it. It'd take you about two days. It's, they're, they're long. They're really good. And it is, like uh, Ron said, it's some of Dick Dillon's best work. I, re- awesome. I think it is. I think it's really his best work. Ross from the Let's Stop, Stop, Let's Team Up podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll have you on again. Thanks again, Ross. Thank you, my man. Thanks for having me.
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you stick around for future episodes. If you like this podcast, please spread the word. Recommend it to comic fans. With this episode, I've added a link tree to the show notes, allowing you easy access to the comic fan podcast, platforms, and social media accounts. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I want the podcast to grow and introduce fans to a different way of covering comic books. Again, thanks so much for listening. See you next time.